Disinformation is when false information is knowingly shared to cause harm. More specifically, disinformation comprises intentional lies or partial lies for individual, communal, social, political, corporate, or financial gain. This may apply to the originator and the amplifier if the amplifier is aware the information or some of it is false. Disinformation is another word for lying, and disinformation comprises mostly exaggeration and subjective opinions and views. Disinformation on its own is but one technical or tactical materialization of the operational level study of propaganda. And propaganda is but one operational materialization of the strategic and global level of influence warfare. The media has unfortunately led students and operators to place too much emphasis in wasted hours on online and social media disinformation. Focusing on online disinformation when studying strategic influence is akin to studying only one branch of one tree of one forest of an entire ecosystem. If disinformation is slung into the ether without being tethered to already trusted real-world influencers and reality, it will not have an effect. At least there is not one data point in human history when disinformation that doesn't already play into our foundational narratives will have any effect whatsoever. Unfortunately, there are still popular misassumptions that disinformation alone can affect people as if people were unthinking, unbiased, completely blank machines moved by any rumor or notion in the world. This notion, especially since the 2016 U.S. elections, has gone from being illogical and unfounded to being ridiculous, I think, and obscene. For example, Stefan Lewandowski, a cognitive psychologist at the University of Bristol, stated to Washington Post reporter before the 2022 U.S. midterm elections, the one we just had, and I quote, the more something is repeated, the more familiar and fluent it feels, whether it is misinformation or fact. So if you hear something over and over again, probabilistically, it's going to be the true thing. Now, listen, I have no doubt the Lewandowski was quoted out of context. And I say this because these sentiments make no sense. They lack evidence and logic this is not how the mind works. There is not one data point of evidence to suggest repeated mass persuasion tactics or attempts in the ether have, edit, have had any effect on any matter, on any person, in any civilization, in history. Lewandowski goes on in the same article to say, and I'm sure, again, these lines were cherry-picked by the reporter in the newspaper. Nothing wrong with the newspaper in general, just this particular article. Um. Anyways, he goes on to say, it seems to be cognitively almost impossible to listen to something, understand it, and at the same time not believe it. Once again, this makes no sense, but popular media continue to play this type of comment up without actual context, without evidence, without logic, without knowing what they are talking about. In fact, I think in general today, some state-sponsored disinformation is almost certainly a means of distraction, diversion, confusion, and deception. For example, while national security and intelligence analysts focus on the media-driven frenzied obsession over Russian online disinformation, resources, personnel, focus, time, and money are being taken away from other more important elements of Russian malign influence, such as lobbying, economic pressure, and real-life leveraging of real-life influencers in business, academia, and other sectors. 
While governments and think tanks have poured billions into understanding online disinformation, the Kremlin appears to be more focused on in-person persuasion, influence, and manipulation. This is where they put most of their money and their time, from trying to influence universities in Europe to providing money to political parties at the state level in the United States. Now, disinformation can be extremely dangerous. As part of a greater deception war, as part of an authoritarian government to sell itself as the only pillar of stability in a chaotic world, and as part of biological and economic warfare, disinformation tactics can be deadly. They have the capacity to level nations and eventually civilizations. This will be a focus in the second semester uh, in numerous classes to include the class on subversion. And finally, I want to talk about what I call the five new pillars of disinformation. And I will speak as if we are playing the role of the disinformers, of the antagonists of a disinformation campaign. Pillar number one, engage the target's prefrontal cortex as little as possible. This is in line with narrative best practices. Engaging the prefrontal cortex is taxing, deliberate, slow thought, especially when it is difficult to wrestle atop your subconscious assumptions of the world is physically painful. Avoid this. Be sure the message is easily countered. Forcing the other side to counter your message will amplify your original message no matter what the other side does or says. And this is a quote from Rene uh, Rasta from one of the articles we have. And this is about one viral tweet on one day. And I quote, the tweet inspired several hundred replies and retweets, some encouraging him, others questioning him. She's talking about a candidate, others mocking him. But anyone who engages with this post, whether to applaud it or scorn it, was telling Twitter's algorithms to elevate it. The message, the disinformation message must be short, simple, clear, bumper sticker, wordless meme. This is the length you want to go for. If a bumper sticker requires a paragraph to explain itself, it has failed. And your disinformation should be extremely and immediately exciting, absurd, perverse, and base. Pillar number two, master platforms. Use platforms that allow reward cancel culture. Manipulate cancel culture. Cancel culture has always existed in all political and social wings, in different forms, with different titles, and at different extremes. Canceling someone or their message may immediately give that person or message viral reach on social media and even mainstream media platforms. Use platforms on which likes, shares, clicks, and scrolling views are optimized as little slow, deliberate thought as necessary to interact, amplify, and play along. So this ties a little bit back to pillar one. For example, according to Google's former ethicist, Tristan Harris, and I quote, what made Facebook newsfeed work back in 20, 2006 was in part a hardware innovation. It was actually the scroll wheel on a mouse because with the scroll wheel on a mouse, your hand never had to leave its resting position. You just scroll to see the next thing because before that, you had to click on the down button or move your mouse and drag the arrow down and scroll the page that way. Today, it means your hand never has to leave its resting position and it's more like a slot machine. You can just keep swiping and playing just like in Vegas, where there's the button right there. They actually changed it. In fact, it used to be a lever, and now it's just a button in Vegas because they found it's easier just to get people to see if they get a match this way. And more on pillar 
to exploit Twitter and other social media for its rage, doom scrolling, up next wormholes, virtual signaling, uh, platforms that are programmed for automatic and subconscious brain responses should always be favored. Use platforms that provide artificial virality to popularity. The more clicks you get, the more a post will be viewed and so forth. The more popular a post or user is, the more likely that post or user will be recommended to other people. The threshold and algorithms that skyrocket popularity to extreme enduring virality change at breakneck speed. There is a vast market to bring a user to a certain number of likes and shares and views with cash. Non-black market, non-gray market companies include Linktree, Verified Blue, Trucy, Social Media Engine, and UCreator. Although bots can be used, this business model normally uh, contracts out verified users to interact with a post upon payment. However, this business model is not a sure thing as social media companies, as I said, they update their algorithms and thresholds for what posts are likely to become viral, sometimes on a daily or weekly basis. Now, finally, for pillar two, I want to go on to quote from Tristan Harris about the use of platforms that exploit addiction phenomenon. And I quote from Tristan, a vulnerability in her mind is something called a variable schedule reward, and that's like a slot machine in Las Vegas. It turns out that slot machines make more money in the United States than baseball movies and theme parks combined. People become addicted to slot machines. I think it's two to three times faster than any other kind of gambling in a casino because it's very simple. You just pull a lever, and sometimes you get a reward, and sometimes you don't. And the more random it is and the more variable it is, the more addictive it becomes. It turns out or it turns our phone, social media companies, into a slot machine because every time we check our phone, we're playing the slot machine to see what did I get. And the thing is that they, that means social media companies, control the dial. The technology companies control the dial for when and how long your profile photo shows up on other people's news feeds. So they can orchestrate it so that other people more often end up liking your profile photo over a delayed period of time, for example. So you can end up having to more frequently come back and see what the new likes are. And the problem, as I go on to quote Tristan, the problem is that they don't do this because they're evil. They do it because, again, they're in this race for our attention. Pillar number three, exploit conspiracy theory phenomena. I'm not going to say too much about this because this is going to be a big focus in the spring course, but a few thoughts to exploit conspiracy theory phenomenon. Exploit the following, the general need to seek excitement, entertainment, and purpose, a need to feel superior to others, to be in the know amidst the ignorant masses, a lack of critical thinking, a lack of understanding of the basics of how governments, corporations, and societies work, a lack of abstract thinking skills, and victimizations, trying to escape personal responsibility. The fourth pillar is to target the subconscious. Play to foundational narratives. Narratives Never undermine core values unless the effort specifically is to cause outrage and counter-narratives. Confirm core worldviews. According to Hugo Mercier, as long, and I quote, as long as the demand for justification is present, some will rise to fulfill it. If mere repetition were effective, Areas with greater exposure to propaganda should see the sharpest rise in anti-Semitism. Of course, here is referencing the rise of the Nazis. 
This was from, I think, lesson one. In fact, the sheer exposure to propaganda had no effect at all. Instead, it was the presence of pre-existing anti-Semitism that explained the regional variation in the effectiveness of propaganda. Only the areas that were the most anti-Semitic before Hitler came to power provide receptive. Propaganda was effective in places where anti-Semitism was historically high, but it had a negative effect in places with historically low anti-Semitism. Many misguided or wicked beliefs, from the humoral theory of disease to fake news, are much less consequential than we think. As a rule, these beliefs do not guide our behaviors, being instead justifications for actions we want to perform anyways. Part of playing to the subconscious also emphasizes the mode of communication and the storyteller. It's best to use or amplify storyteller and storytelling means that your target audience trusts and understands the language at a visceral, unconscious level. For example, one CCP in Kremlin disinformation practice is to find that one of a thousand talking head in the United States who, practicing freedom of speech and using thoughtful and balanced policy reaction, may agree on one point of Russian or Chinese narrative. They will take this one point out of context and try to make it go viral in the target country and very finally, also target the limbic system directly, something that we've already discussed in this course. So I'm going to go over just some brief thoughts. The limbic system, unlike the foundational narratives tattooed onto our subconscious, has unlikely changed from the free cognitive revolution clan society of Homo sapiens. The limbic system comprises those survival instincts. And so in this way, for the fifth fifth pillar of disinformation, you want to instigate moral outrage and disgust. Call users to engage with the disinformation, more likely to comment, share, and react. It may cause a person or polity to want to stomp out a threat as opposed to normal fear, that flight, flight, or freeze responses. Disgust may also materialize as outrage. Trust is also a big part of the limbic system, so you want to amplify through influencers that are already trusted sources, something that was already talked about also in Pillar 4. Rent accounts of trusted influencers. This is done today and every day. Hack and use accounts of trusted influencers. And again, this is done every day. Play to the us versus them political tribalism. Perpetuate a black versus white, a good versus evil oversimplification. Thank you.